In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Just a reminder that Diet Starts Tomorrow is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a physician or a health professional. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With hosts Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Emily. And I'm Remy. And today we are joined by sobriety coach and host of the Top 100 Mental Health Podcast, Hello Someday. She's here to talk all about sober curiosity, alcohol-free living, and the pros and cons of going alcohol-free during the holidays. You guys, welcome to DST, Casey McGuire Davidson. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're we are so excited you. to have you. Just so you know, Remy and I are both on slightly different levels of alcohol-free living. I yeah. pretty much gave alcohol up entirely like a year and a half ago. And I've had like sprinkles of, you know, sips of champagne here and there. But overall, mm-hmm. it's been like a really great experience for me thus far. Don't know if I'm going to continue that forever. Yeah. And Remy just describes herself mostly as like, a light drinker. I actually rarely see you drink. Yeah, no, I would say actually, so today is my 100th day weed free. Wow. Um, Thank you. (laughs) That's so exciting. I have noticed though, that I have been partaking in drinking just a little bit more. So for anybody who's ever seeing me out, like there was one person that I was like, Ooh, can I have a sip of your drink? And she was like, you don't drink. And I was like, well, Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for you guys. That's really amazing. I think that you're Thank sort of you. representative of the younger generation, slightly younger. Gen Z and millennials are drinking so much less than their parents mm-hmm. and grandparents were at the same age. You know, I've yeah. heard that and we really want to get into that because, I mean, there's got to be a whole plethora of reasons for it that we'll get into, but yeah. we want to learn about you a little bit first. You mm-hmm. have described yourself as a former red wine girl, which I think is very <laughs> relatable to come home and have some red wine, but you stopped drinking seven years ago. Can you tell us a little Congrats. bit about your Thank drinking you. journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I was always a big drinker, not really in high school, happened to go to boarding school and was terrified to get kicked out. So you would have gotten suspended at first and then expelled Mm -hmm. if you were caught drinking twice. So, you know, definitely drank a few times off campus with my friends, but I got to college and it was sort of the first time that I could drink to some extent without consequences. I happened to join the women's rugby team, which is a crash course in problematic (laughs) binge drinking. It is literally... That's amazing. Yeah. It's the goal to get blackout drunk. Because then the tackling each other hurts less. (laughs) I mean, rugby. I I loved it, but I will never let my children play it (laughs) because the goal is... It's brutal. It's brutal. And the the traditions are that you play against the other team and then you have a huge keg party with them, including keg stands. And if you score a try, which is a goal, you chug out of an old cleat. Like we used to do keg runs, which is during practice, you jog after a truck with a keg in it. And like, so it was literally a lesson like a master's course in how to drink problematically. It's Australian culture. Yes. Yes. Drinking all together, drinking out of a boot. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of got through college where blacking out was fairly common, but still sort of did the straight A thing. I was always sort of a, I call it like this combination of a people-pleasing overachiever, which actually is a big combination for drinkers because 
we love to drink Mm. to shut off our minds, to shut off that endless to-do list, you know? And in my 20s and 30s, I sort of just adjusted what I drank in my phase of life. So DC in my 20s, I drank a lot of cocktails, going out with my friends and my boyfriend slash husband, moved to Seattle and it was lots of dinner parties with wine, you know, dual income, no kids Mm -hmm. kind of people. And then mommy wine culture. And the whole time I was climbing the corporate ladder, I was always kind of a drinker, 365 nights a year, unless I was trying to moderate, which I did for years. You know, I'm only going to have two drinks. I'm only going to drink on the weekends. I mean, I did Mm -hmm. everything from like, I'll drink beer, not wine, because I like it better. Mm -hmm. Um, I will only drink while I'm out. Therefore, I won't drink a whole bottle or I'll only drink when home. So I won't drive like it was ridiculous. And um, I eventually was sort of a director at a Fortune 500 company drinking a bottle of wine or more every single night with two little kids. Mm. And you did Lori Massacott's podcast to 50 and beyond. Yeah. I couldn't tell. One of you was saying that they would get sick every time they drank. Was that you or her? <laughs> I've sort of felt vaguely sick every day. I, I had this okay. sort of dull hangover every day. I would wake up at 3 a.m. with anxiety. I had a headache. I had bloodshot eyes, crushing anxiety. And yet... I thought for the longest time that drinking was the glue holding it together. I thought it was helping me, mm. which is crazy. Yeah, you know, I've I've talked about this. It's crazy how um, you start to see alcohol as a way to numb your anxiety, but actually it ends up causing the anxiety and creates like that vicious cycle. That's definitely how it was Mm -hmm. for me. Like two drinks was the quickest, easiest way to feel less anxious in a situation But then any more than that, it would just exacerbate the problem. And then I'd be starting from square one again. Yeah. And did you realize that at the time that your anxiety was caused by alcohol? I mean, I didn't realize it until I was ready to scale back. I didn't realize it for years and years. I really thought it was helping. And now that I've opened up to people about that, it seems to be a really common experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think you said too something that you were like, oh, I thought this was just like part of it. Like everyone gets a little sick and a little anxious. And I really related to that because when I was doing big drinking culture in college, I would throw up every time. And I was like, everybody does that, you know, like this is normal. And it's like, "Mm, maybe not. Yeah. I was actually just talking to Sarah Heppola who wrote the book Blackout, incredible Mm -hmm. writer, incredible book. And we were talking about how it was sort of the fuel for adventure when you were younger. We, you know, the goal was drink so much that literally anything could happen. And what's crazy is I tended to be sort of a blackout, gray out drinker, not every time, but, you know, more often on big nights. And I thought anything could happen. And I didn't remember so many nights of my 20s and 30s. People told me about things. And I wonder how many of my memories are legitimate versus stories from other people about my own life. Yeah, somebody could have told you anything and you'd be like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I did that. Yeah. So it's it's not really like anything could happen. It's more like anything could have happened. Yes, (laughs) because I have no memory of it. Yeah. And it, you know, in retrospect, and this is one of the reasons that I think the sober curiosity movement amongst younger people has really taken off. I mean, one, and you guys talk about this, just the awareness of the dangers of sexual assault and consent, so much uh, more problematic with alcohol involved. I have to say, I went to college in the late 90s. There was zero discussion of that, truly. Mm -hmm. And it's not just on the side of, oh, I could get assaulted because being drunk isn't a reason for anybody to assault you ever. Absolutely not. But it's also like, what might I do if I'm out of control and I don't remember what I did? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. To somebody. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in your one of the crazy things about blackouts is sometimes people can't tell that you're blacked out. And yeah. you know, men or women, and you literally don't remember 
what you're doing. And yet sometimes other people cannot tell because you are talking and walking and, you know, it, it looks like, I mean, obviously you look drunk, but, but, um, you're not passed out. People think you're passed out when you don't remember things. And that's not always Mm -hmm. the case. And especially if they're drinking too, yes, it's like, oh, well, we're both feeling like this loose way. Like they can't even assess how drunk you are because they're drunk as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes they know. And I, I would tell everybody to watch Promising Young Woman. Oh, my Highly gosh. Recommend. Oh, my gosh. That that movie was so powerful. It's the best. Yeah. But also the mental health link that you were talking about, Emily, the, yes. the link to anxiety and depression um, and sleep. Even a single drink lowers the quality of your sleep by 24%. I mean, it's, it's oh, wow. truly mm-hmm. amazing. Wow. So- what was that process like giving up alcohol? And at what point did you decide that that's the change you wanted to make? Because you said you had tried only drinking beer or limiting yeah. your drinks and it wasn't working. So at what mm-hmm. point did you have that come to Jesus moment, so to speak? Yeah. Well, for me, honestly, it wasn't a huge, you know, people picture if you are a huge drinker at some point, not jumping off in sober curiosity, there's this big bottom. And I didn't have that. For me, it was more the death of a thousand cuts. Um, Mm. Little things and big things were starting to slip. But I was, one of the reasons I was able to keep drinking was I presented really well. I kept everything Mm -hmm. together. The coffee was always made. The dentist appointments were already done. You know, I was excelling at work and therefore I had all these, like, of course I drink. I'm doing everything. I mm-hmm. keep everything together, this sort of martyr slash whatever complex. And it was the way I had fun, you know, like, hey, this is my one thing I do. I do, you know, I work, I'm a mom, I commute, I'm drinking. So what? Right. It's so socially acceptable. She can have it all. Right. Oh my God. That is <laughs> And it's such... like, it's like everybody feels like, I'm entitled to one vice, you yes. know, if it's totally. candy, oh if it's wine, like I need something to help <laughs> me relax. I stopped drinking and I still like it cut 60% of my anxiety and people were like, you should really cut out coffee. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Can I have nothing <laughs> in my life? Like, forget it. But it was the death of a thousand cuts. I think anyone who drinks a lot and I, I started the process slowly, you know, reading some of the books, the Quitlet books, which are amazing. I mean, I've interviewed so many incredible authors, and I'm so grateful for them. Holly Whitaker wrote Quit Like a Woman. Laura McCowan wrote We Are the That Luckiest. was the book that Miranda used. Yes. In- <laughs> and just like that. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, huge New York Times bestseller. And I listened to podcasts about sobriety. I you know, joined some online groups where you sort of realize that the 3am wake ups, oh my God, the alcohol causes that. I mean, it's crazy. I didn't know. You start to understand that it's addictive, right? No, very few people talk about that, that alcohol, the it is designed to make you need to drink more and more often in the same way that cigarettes do, right? If you become addicted Mm -hmm. to cigarettes, nobody's like, what's wrong with you? What moral weakness do you have? It's like, of course, cigarettes are addictive. I started learning more and more. And it was harder for me to deny that alcohol was the problem, that it was hurting me more than helping me. And um, I, when I I stopped drinking, um, did not know that was going to be the last time I drank. I started with a oh, hundred wow. day challenge. I couldn't, I mean, I oh, love it's my hundred day. Yeah, I love that. Right. <laughs> I was yeah, I was curious enough to say, I know I'm tired of waking up and beating myself up. I am tired of holding up the bottle of wine to see how much is left to gauge how bad my day is gonna be. And I'm tired of not remembering the end of shows and my husband not being able to wake me up on the couch. I mean, it sounds dumb, but I would watch entire episodes and my husband be like, you watched this last night. And I was like, is he messing with me? Like, he doesn't know. He didn't sit with me. I mean, so I started off with a hundred day challenge. I actually got a sober coach, which is now a thing. I'm one, but there, you know, it's really, it didn't exist many years ago. 
I took an online course, you know, amazing tools. What was the course? And is that where you found the coach? Uh, No, I found the coach. She had a very popular blog. Uh, Her name was Belle from Tired of Thinking About Drinking. She lived in Paris. And we literally emailed each other and had a couple of Zoom calls, but emailed each other for a year, which I needed someone to hold my hand. My first dinner party, what do I do? All that yeah. kind of stuff. But the course, I feel so lucky now. It was actually with Holly Whitaker uh, long That's before amazing. she wrote her book. And it, mm-hmm. it was called Hip Sobriety School. And it was it was what I needed. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your own fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some Smalls to my friend in Brooklyn who is fostering kittens, and they took to it right away. It is delicious. It is nutritious. It is easy to serve. Yum, yum, yum. Eat it up. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life, so it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I love how you were saying, like, I know it was already a hundred day challenge, but you were just thinking of it as a challenge, not as a forever thing, right? Yeah. I was thinking of it as a health kick. I knew I had Mm -hmm. a, a problem with alcohol, and yet... I could not imagine never drinking again because I truly loved it. And so basically, I wanted to see what a longer period of time without alcohol is like. And that's why I love the challenges now, dry January, sober October, because it's socially acceptable to stop drinking without pressure and without people being like, just have one. And it gives you long enough to have the awareness of how your life is different and how much alcohol consumes your time and energy. And then even yeah. if you go back to drinking, you, you always know that I feel like it's a that you process. Can do it. Yeah. And yeah. that you sleep better and your skin looks better and you're happier to mm-hmm. some extent. 
Yeah. And it's like lower pressure because like I know that I was thinking of this as like a hundred day challenge. And I think for a lot of the people when it came to weed and I'm sure alcohol is similar, they get really daunted about is this going to be forever? Yeah. And with a short term challenge, it's like you can take that pressure off and that forward thinking off and just be like, okay, but it doesn't we don't know if it's going to be forever, but this is for right now. Can I ask how you feel after 100 days without weed? I feel fabulous. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember things more like when you were saying, oh, there were like shows. I didn't remember like there are vacations where my boyfriend would be like, hey, do you remember when we went to this place? And I'm like, no, like that must have been during my dark times. Yeah. Yeah. So The one thing that I see as a potential downside to doing a dry January or sober October, one of these challenges, and it's something that I've seen in my friends because I've had a lot of friends who who do that, is that by the end of it, a lot of them seem to swing back to the other side and kind of like go really, really hard again on the drinking because they were missing it for that month. And I kind of compare it to... um, when you force yourself to go on a diet, it's really restrictive. So then eventually you end up binging because you've been restricting for so long. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that or like thoughts on how somebody could do this? Who's worried about maybe going too far in the other direction? What I think is that it's a great entry point. And I offer a lot of tips, which we can talk about, about sort of how to do these things right in order to actually experience life without alcohol. I personally highly recommend a longer challenge, like 100 days is ideal, two months, 50 days, because on a 30-day challenge, the truth is that the first two weeks, you're going to go through withdrawal. You're going to feel worse before you feel better. And that's regardless of Mm. if you have two drinks a night or drink once a week. So just for example, when you drink on any regular basis, alcohol spikes your dopamine in the same way that pot does. It spikes it really high and your body wants to maintain a consistent level. So it actually regulates your natural level of dopamine and serotonin down, which is sort of your happy hormone and your mood regulation hormone. So it is not your imagination that you are less happy when you're not drinking, Mm, if you drink on any regular basis, it also spikes your cortisol. And that takes a week, two weeks to, to sort of even out dopamine and serotonin takes a month. Plus, it's a major emotional crutch. It's a major habitual crutch. And so in 30 days, when you end up going back to it harder, I think what you do is you spend two weeks kind of white knuckling it, and then the next two weeks, you're you're basically counting down till you can drink again. So your reward for not drinking yeah. is drinking. Yeah. And yeah. you never sort of rewire that cue craving response reward cycle. So I like a longer challenge because you actually have to learn to live without alcohol in a very positive way, like your 100 days. So you're like... I'm anxious, I'm stressed, I'm going to a party, I'm going to a wedding. How am I going to enjoy this without alcohol, for example? And you can focus on the positive, you can notice what's different. You can realize that, okay, the first part was awkward, but then I remember the night and I wake up and I work out and I sleep well and I don't have regrets or blank spaces. And You actually, after 30 days, or, you know, I call it just these moments of just joy and contentment that break through that you haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. And I just want to say, too, this is no judgment to anybody who wants to keep drinking or keep smoking. Like, this is just for people who are curious or you might be in the place where it's impacting your life. Um, you, You had a sober coach. Did you ever do AA? I tried it once. Okay. Two, three years before I actually finally stopped drinking. For me, it Mm -hmm. was sort of one of those bucket lists, like, well, never thought this would happen. (laughs) Um, The people in there were, were very kind and very wonderful. It was not my jam. I didn't like sort of the, the framework, the judgment. I could have spent 
a decade debating whether I was an alcoholic or not. And now I do not use that word at all because it's actually not a medical term. They call it alcohol use disorder, mild, moderate, and severe. The word alcoholic is a self-diagnosis and it's really associated with that program. Um, So it's just been in the vernacular for 90 years. Uh, AA was created almost 90 years ago by two white men. It is what Uh it is. It just, I personally uh, found it a little paternalistic and uh, condescending, but that's just me. I know a ton of friends who love the program, but what I like now is there are so many different approaches out there and most people create a patchwork of a mental framework of alcohol-free life that works for them, support for some people. It's therapy. It could be uh, medication. It could be yoga. It could be coaching. It could be mm-hmm. anything. So in in the context of like a lot of people will be like, oh, alcoholism runs in my family. Like it, it does have some yes. genetic factors, yes. doesn't it? It does. Okay. And it honestly... It, I think there are a couple different ways to look at it. So there are definitely genetic factors that feed into people who are more likely to struggle with substance abuse. For example, people with ADHD, 50% mm. of people with ADHD struggle with some kind of uh, substance abuse. They also are Hi. five, t- five <laughs> times more likely to rely on it. Wow. It's, I did a whole episode on it and it's amazing. It's, you know, lower levels of dopamine natural in your brain, um, mm-hmm. overstimulation, be, you're trying to dull things out. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of different factors in the same way, you know, in your family, definitely there is a genetic predisposition. There's also a lot of us I found it true for me, self-medicate with alcohol for anxiety and other mental health conditions. You end up relying on it as something that you think helps you. And it does. Mm-hmm. It has an immediate reaction. It's absorbed in the bloodstream. It's a weird combination of a depressant and a stimulant, which is uh, unique in terms of it both brings you down immediately and it revs up your system. Some people are like, it's that second wind, you know? Yeah. Can I clarify something with you? So when you say that alcohol is addictive, do you mean the substance itself is addictive or is it the changes that it makes in your brain? I would just love to know more specifics about that. Both. Um, There have been a lot of studies that if you have heavy alcohol use over time, it definitely reduces the amount of gray matter in your brain. Um, It changes your nervous system. The good news is this stuff does come back. Your body responds when you stop drinking, you know, unless you are heavily, heavily severe alcohol use disorder for a very long time. But it suppresses your dopamine, suppresses your serotonin, spikes your cortisol. So in terms of being addictive, it's both when you're in withdrawal, your body craves alcohol to come back to that feeling of being quote unquote normal or mm-hmm. feeling um, happier or more relaxed just because of that. But it also does change your brain over time. Got it. And does it take a certain amount of alcohol to feel those effects or to feel withdrawal if you stop? Like, like somebody who drinks... I don't know, four drinks a week, let's say, mm-hmm. or like a, a fairly yeah. low amount. Yeah. Would they feel withdrawal if they stop drinking or does it vary person to person? It 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 definitely varies person to person. But do you know the Huberman podcast at all? It's it's a yes, great but one. I don't listen to it. Yeah, that's fine. He did a fantastic episode on alcohol. The reason I love it is 90% of what he talked about was within the quote unquote recommended guidelines. So for women, one drink a, a day or seven a week. And he talked about the impacts on your body and your mind from just that quote unquote recommended amount. And you do experience withdrawal, of course, not as severe mm-hmm. as someone who drank a lot. But it definitely, the craving is there. The irritation when you're not drinking is there for a couple of days. The other thing I would say is the American Cancer Society, the, this is one of the reasons that people 
are more sober curious now. The information on the medical impact of drinking is finally coming out. So if women drink as few as three drinks a week, you increase your risk of breast cancer by 15%. What? I know. And every drink on top of that raises it by another 10%. And nobody talks about this. Yeah. I've literally never heard of that. It's the equivalent. So I used to drink a bottle of wine a night. And again, zero judgment. I was the Mm -hmm. biggest drinker and I loved it. And I, I thought it was awesome. I did not know a lot of this information. Now, I'm not sure it would have changed when I drank, but right. if you drink a bottle of wine, it is the cancer risk equivalent of smoking 10 cigarettes. That's wild. Oh my God. Guys, as many of you know, I've been on an alcohol-free journey. Please don't hold it against me that I just said journey, but I have. And one thing that I've really missed on this journey is beer. But now with Athletic Brewing, I'm able to get that delicious beer-like taste in my mouth without any of the alcohol. It's amazing. Just so you guys know, I used to love sours. I'm a big sour drinker and I really miss that taste. And now I don't have to miss out on it. It's amazing. Whether you're trying to cut back or you just want to explore a non-alcoholic alternative, Athletic Brewing is often a game changer. They offer a variety of different full-flavored brews with no alcohol allowing you to sip and celebrate anytime and anywhere. Do you like hazy IPAs, sweet fruity sours? Now you can enjoy this style without the hangover the next day. They offer hassle-free delivery right to your door when you order at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic brews bevs you can drink anytime, anywhere, and still go right back to whatever you were doing. It's a great fit for parenting, playing sports, watching sports, doing chores, late nights, and early mornings, so you can imbibe without worry. Try Athletic Brewing non-alcoholic beers for yourself. Use code DST to get 15% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. That's code DST at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun, but the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This is a, a small anecdote, but one thing that I think might be um, making younger people more sober curious is the fact that it's not the only normalized thing anymore. Yes. Since, you know, weed is more accessible and people judge you less for smoking it. And, you know, hallucinogens are having their moment as well. I do think that's contributing to it. And I was in the car with my dad recently and we drove by a dispensary and he made a comment that I thought was so bizarre. He was (laughs) like, oh, this is the downfall of society. They're on every street (laughs) corner now. Can you believe how accessible this is? And I said to my dad, but dad, there's liquor stores on every Everywhere. street corner yeah. and, and that's not the downfall of society. And he was just kind of like, yeah, well, that's the way it's always been. Yeah. And it, it's well, just- there was a God of wine. There wasn't a God of weed. You <laughs> right. know, like well, it's that- just more. <laughs> very valid. Very valid. Yeah. But it just made me think how like 
you just don't even think about how something could be potentially dangerous because of how normalized it is. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I do think that the studies are going to change. You know, the reason that the biggest drinkers actually are baby boomers, which to me is insane, like 70 years old. They are the only growing segment of drinkers. The alcohol industry is actually terrified by this sober curious movement because they are all, all the big brands are coming out with no and low alcohol beverages, which I adore as someone who no longer drinks. Um, There Mm -hmm. are just the best non-alcoholic beers. There's non-alcoholic sparkling rosé and um, Prosecco and all the good stuff. But, you know, non-alcoholic Corona, Heineken, Guinness, they're all, they're doing this not because they want to. It's because it's the only growing segment of alcohol. The wine industry is like boomers and Gen X mommy wine culture. And they are pushing that stuff. And they're trying desperately to figure out how to attract the younger generations again. Yeah. What are those signs going to sell if it's like, don't talk to me until I've had my wine? Yeah. The mugs. Yeah. Everything, right? <laughs> and and it's it's kind of again normalizing just really problematic drinking. I mean, there are tea towels that are like, I'm not slurring, I'm speaking in cursive. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's not drinking alone if my dog is here. And these are like kitchen kitschy wood signs. I mean, it's so yeah, they're yeah. Supposed, it's supposed to so be cute. bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's no signs that's like, don't talk to me until I've had my sativa. Like people would be like, you're an addict. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Or dare I say, you know, opiates, like (laughs) things that we know are very dangerous. And yeah, don't talk to me until I've gone on my ayahuasca trip. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And, you know, weed is definitely, I mean, it's legal in Washington state where I live. The dispensaries are everywhere, but I'm in Portland right now. This oh. is my first time in Portland since stopping smoking. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's really beautiful here. It's not just because the weed is cheap. Yes. And everybody, but parents wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable sitting around smoking weed in front of their kids, but they would think nothing of downing a bottle of wine at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think the first time I had any alcohol was like my parents being like, here, just like try some at dinner. Like, it's okay. Like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, like this is better than the culture of like you have your first drink at 21 and then you go fucking crazy because you've never been allowed it before. But you're right. Like they wouldn't be like, if you're going to smoke in the house, smoke with us. Oh, my God. Yeah. It it just so there is still some stigma there. And maybe it's just because we're the older generation. But I did. I had my I interviewed last week, my nine year old daughter on my podcast about what she thought about alcohol. And it was it was so cute. You know, she was just I mean, she is an advantage or a disadvantage of having a mom who's a sober coach. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, I was Mm going to ask you that, like, I mean, I would love to know what you talked about on that episode. That seems really adorable. But also, like, how do you plan to approach that as she gets more toward what would be the drinking age. Yeah. I mean, I have a 15-year-old son as well, who's a sophomore Mm -hmm. in high school. So I quit drinking when they were eight and two. Um, I have no doubt that they will drink. Like just, I, I know it'll happen and I'm okay with that. That said, I think when I was in high school, in college, after college, I was really oblivious to the downsides of alcohol other than hangovers. Obviously, I knew what those were and experienced them and maybe a little blackout, but I thought that was a positive, which just tells you how mm-hmm. screwed up my my mind was around it. And drinking culture in general. Yeah. Like blacking out was like, a, oh my God, he blacked out. It was so funny. Oh yeah, so funny. Like, let me tell you what happened. Yeah. Let's piece together the night. And I believe that my kids will know A, the substance is addictive. If you drink enough, you will want to drink more. It's addictive habitually, emotionally. They will hopefully have better coping skills. And they will know, like most, it's not just my kids, it's the younger generations about the link to increasing risk of sexual assaults on both sides. I don't want my son drinking Mm -hmm. too much. And I'm sure he will at times, but mental health. Also, I honestly think that, you know, TikTok 
Instagram, YouTube, like the younger generation, God bless them, don't think binge drinking is horribly attractive. And they are very concerned with that. I mean, my God, can you believe it? Holding someone's hair back and puking isn't attractive, but it's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) But they also are, are more concerned with image. And you can tell me this or not, but for my kids, they they don't want someone filming them when they are just bombed out of their minds. And so, yeah. you know, I wish I had that attitude. Cause I, I mean, <laughs> I've laid awake at night haunted by those old Facebook videos that people used to upload on Monday of me just doing the most embarrassing stuff. Would you mm-hmm. like untag yourself? You're like, shit, can oh you delete my God. that? You know, at the time, I think I thought it was funny and cool. That's, yeah. that's what's so strange about it. Like yeah. now it would be mortifying, but I think I did think it was funny and cool. And um, it's a good thing I got my account hacked and I don't have Facebook anymore, but they we used to think it was cool to like pose with bottles and stuff. I oh, remember yeah. in college, like the best decor you could have is like everything you've drank, just like lined up empty. on your oh, walls yeah. and stuff. Empty. Yeah. yeah. We used to in high school have, I went to boarding school, every different pulled out of a magazine, the absolute campaign. Yes. I mean, they were beautiful. They were beautiful. When I was art. seven, people were collecting absolute ads and they would keep them in binders and our school had to ban like doing that and or bringing it to school at least because it was so prevalent that ever, yeah. it was like collecting stickers. It was, it was. And so I think that's part of the culture where we are to some extent like this circular firing squad. Like you have a bad day and you post about it and people are like, oh my God, sippy time. You deserve a drink, bottle of wine, stat, mm-hmm. you know? And, oh, of course it's normal. Everybody drinks. So you go on a date and you take your picture of your cocktail. It's like a metaphor or a signifier. I'm off duty. This is romantic. I'm sophisticated. And hopefully that's changing a little bit. Yeah, it's glamorous even. Oh, yeah. Well, since we are in the midst of the holidays, there are so many more opportunities to drink and just Mm -hmm. also more temptation to drink. Do you think that now is a reasonable time for somebody to try to stop drinking? Or do you think the holidays are just too much pressure to do that? Mm. I think that if you truly are worried about drinking, any time is a good time. People say there's sort of this moment of clarity that will pass. I was a master of justification and rationalization of my drinking. Like, oh my God, that was horrible. I need to stop. Eight hours later, I'd be like, well, let's not be so hard on ourselves. Like maybe just one glass or I'll just buy a bottle or I'd make it four days. So I think that if you want any, I'm a big fan of harm reduction as well and experimentation Mm -hmm. and curiosity. There are a lot of benefits to not drinking, including over the holidays. Um, Oh my God, I celebrate Christmas, Christmas morning without a hangover. Amazing. Lovely. Right? Yeah. Lovely. I had little kids who would wake me up at, you know, five in the morning, six, brutal with a hangover. Oh my God. You know, remember being able to drive home. Why did I have those drinks and why did I have these kids? Oh my God. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. (laughs) I love them now. No. (laughs) So, you know, also the holidays can get really heated depending on family, politics. I always refer to it being a 13-year-old girl when I'm in my house with my mother, regardless of how old I am. Yep. Yes. Yep. So alcohol really heightens your emotions. It makes you emotionally unstable. Um, you know, it stresses things out. So you can be a lot more strategic about conversations, about self-care, about stepping away from conflict and drama if you are not drinking. You know, a lot of people say things they regret when they drink too much around family. I think everybody thinks, or not everybody, but a lot of people think about alcohol or smoking as like a social lubricant. But like, yeah, that's a really good point that it could actually lubricate you too much to the point that you start talking about something that you would never have brought up. Yeah. Yes. That's happened to me many times before. And then you wake up with the anxiety. Oh my God. What did I say? And why did I say that? And do they remember? Because I remember. 
Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, it's um, the other thing just really quickly I'd say is that alcohol is such a tradition. It can suck up so much more of your time. And there are a lot of great things you could be doing that are not associated with alcohol that you maybe wouldn't even think of or take part of if you if you weren't drinking, I mean, snowshoeing or hiking or running a 5K or what about sitting the, around. What, is anything that's not active? Because my holidays yes. are not that <laughs> No, active. no, no. I, I feel you on that. Trimming the tree without falling over. Yes. Hot chocolate, right? Like getting good sleep is pretty amazing. You know, I love essential oils. I love on New Year's Eve, we do something called flying wish paper. Have you guys heard of that? No. no. We get non-alcoholic Prosecco. I mean, my family still drinks. My husband drinks, whoever. They never okay. they never drank like I did. Um, my mother still drinks, but we get a non I get non-alcoholic Prosecco. My we get flying wish paper. You can buy it on Amazon. And Everyone in my family gets to write three wishes, and then we write three for the universe. We turn off all the lights, and you you actually crumple it up, you light it up, and then it burns and then flies up into the sky. And it's so special. It's not dangerous. That's so cute. Yeah. And so we just get to get intentional about it, and it's really special. Right. And if you're, like, fucked up, you might write something fucked up that's like I want my husband to go away yeah or you just wouldn't you wouldn't um even bother to do it you know I can't I can't tell you how many New Year's Eves I was so excited for and did not make it to midnight my boyfriend or husband had no one to kiss at midnight I woke up the next morning so embarrassed yeah, I have a, a New Year's story that still haunts me. I went to New Year's with this girl I was becoming really good friends with. She took me to this cool New Year's party with a bunch of her friends. I was feeling a little socially anxious. I smoked the shit out of myself. I fell asleep before midnight and she never spoke to me again. Never. What? That is That's so never Again. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, my God, this girl has no control over herself. <gasps> yeah. That is so depressing. I know. I still think about it. <laughs> but also, you didn't need that friend if she was never going to speak to I you. I was going to say, yeah, that's Truly. not a great friend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you know what I've noticed? Like when I initially decided to take a break from drinking, I was really nervous that it would make me not a target per se, but it would like attract a lot of attention and people would be asking me why I'm not drinking all the time. And Mm -hmm. the, the earliest thing that I noticed is that, wow, nobody cares. And also barely anyone even notices. Like if I get a Coke or something, nobody's thinking, oh, does she have rum in there or is Mm -hmm. it just Coke? Like a lot of the people I was around just really didn't notice. And then as their inhibitions would be lowered, so would mine, not from the alcohol, but just from being around people whose inhibitions are lowered. So I always tell people being around drunk people is not that dissimilar from being drunk yourself because Mm -hmm. everybody else is socially lubricated. So it kind of carries on to you. I wonder if that's your experience too. Yeah, it definitely is. I feel like the first 20 minutes are the most awkward. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you are used to drinking, you will definitely want to drink. And once you get past that, I mean, I always recommend eat before you go. Hunger is like the number one trigger for people. Okay. So, Don't go in hungry, have something with protein, especially if you're going to like a dinner party or a restaurant, they'll bring you the drink menu. You'll sit around for 20 minutes before you even order another 30 minutes before the food comes. So eat before you go, order an app, immediately order a drink. And I'm a huge fan of like 
non-alcoholic mojitos. They are amazing. Really good. Non-alcoholic, almost anything. Uh, There are even amazing non-alcoholic spirits these days. If you go to a, people at restaurants now have big zero proof cocktail menus. Um, And I love just getting a beverage immediately, keeping one in your hand. And also when people say to you, let's get a drink. We immediately, if you're not drinking, are like, oh my God, what am I going to say? They want to drink with me. Let's go over to the bar together. Yeah. Or let's, let's hang yeah. or it's, let's, let's hang ha- out. Let's have a conversation. Like it's like how yeah. we say Kleenex for tissue. For yeah. tissue. You know? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> like going to reject the like, generic brand. I know. But it's like, let's get a coffee. They don't care if you drink tea. They really don't, yeah. you know? Emily, you were saying that people don't like really notice or whatever, like if you're not drinking. I was at a wedding recently and somebody said, let's go get a drink. And we both went to the bar and I got a Diet Coke and they got a wine or whatever. And she was like, oh, you're drinking wine too? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she thought your Diet Coke was wine? Was red wine. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, it sounds like she was pretty lubed up. I was that. about yeah. to say the same thing. Yeah. Well, Emily, how have you found? Have you said a year and a half? Have you gone through the holidays alcohol free? Yeah. The I guess the last holiday season, I didn't drink at all. Here's the thing: my family is not a huge drinking family. Yeah. They definitely will have you know a glass of wine with dinner, and at the holidays, there are drinks. There, you know, people will make a specialty cocktail or something, but it's, it's not, I've been to other people's houses and the drinking culture was just insane compared to mine. I I never really Mm -hmm. realized that in some families, there is a lot of pressure to get hammered and like to make, I guess it's all in an effort to make memories or something, even though they're not going to remember. But, um, but my family wasn't like that. So to be quite honest, the holidays themselves are not the challenging part. The challenging part is more like being around people that I'm not comfortable with. That's yeah. mm-hmm. when I find it a little bit hard to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll just have a Coke. But I, I'm able to get past that now, too, because I know once other people start acting sloppy, then I can kind of let loose, too. Yeah. And we were talking before about your podcast. It's for sober, curious and gray area drinkers. Yes. And we've kind of defined what a gray area drinker is. But I was wondering because you were talking about the health benefits of stopping drinking altogether. Can gray area drinkers experience those benefits as well? Or is anybody, it like a... Anybody. Okay. And, and sober, curious, and gray area drinkers, sometimes they're used interchangeably, but like a lot of gray area drinkers are sober, curious. But gray area drinking in my mind is anyone who drinks on a fairly regular basis, who can't just take it or leave it. And I know very few people who truly, you know, see alcohol and shrug and could care less about drinking it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Or some people, people are like, oh, they might have a drink once a month. I'm like, who are these people? (laughs) I don't know them. But it's the idea of somewhere in between any kind of sort of physical dependence and habitual drinking in social situations or celebrating or stress or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned to the 100 day challenge, just to go back to that, when you had your sober coach, you would email them every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, I coach women privately one-on-one. I also have a course, but um, for my one-on-one clients, we do coaching sessions. We work together for four to six months, but we also text every day, sometimes twice a day. We don't have to, but there's a lot of micro coaching in there. And a lot of times what I've found is that not drinking is about so much more than swapping out a beverage. It's about all the, what we call triggers, but they're basically Mm -hmm. the reasons that you drink, why drinking works for you in the first place. And for some people it's habit, time of day, driving by a store. For some people it's stress, For some people, it's how they think they connect with their partner or transition from day to night. Or their friends. Or their friends, how they celebrate. Um, It it truly is used as sort of a shorthand and a metaphor. And it's hard when you decide to stop drinking just because it surrounds you everywhere. There's always an occasion 
to drink and easy access to it. So a lot of the switches are are just mindset shifts. And so that's mm-hmm. why talking it through with someone is really helpful. Do you ever go back and read those emails from your early days? I've recorded all of my emails to my coach from day zero to day 100. I need to do it from 100 days to six months. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yes. And they're so interesting and mundane and funny and, you know, oh my God, my boss was a nightmare and I got a flat tire and it's Friday night and I'm in tears. I want to drink so badly. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I walked into work at 7am after months of being like, I hate my job. I hate my life. And I just, the fog was coming off the, the lawn and the birds were flying. And I literally was overcome with joy thinking, I love my life. And I hadn't thought oh, that in years. So interesting. I did want to ask another question. Um, you kind of brought it up before. Your husband, you say, was not ever as big of a drinker as you are, but continues to drink now. When you were in that process of getting sober, was that challenging to be around him when he would have a drink? You know what's interesting? He did not want me to stop drinking completely. He wanted me to like not pass out on the couch or become dead weight or open Mm -hmm. bottle number two on a Tuesday night. Like he wanted that. But we had a lot of fun drinking. We got together young. We traveled to Italy and wine tastings and all that stuff. Um, I told him nothing more than I'm doing 100 days without alcohol, health care. I'm just doing a challenge. Yeah. just He didn't yeah. believe me. I'd said it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I asked him, I need no wine in the house because I was a wine girl. I asked him not to bring me any home, even if I ask him to, which is hard because he was like, I'm not your parent, you know, like I'm not. But Mm. I said, I know this is awkward. Please just remind me of what I'm doing. And sometimes he would just buy me a bottle of wine when I had a bad day because he knew it made me happy. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him for support, but I had that accountability. I told everyone. I was doing a no alcohol challenge. So I told my morning workout group and my coworkers and my girlfriends because I was a daily drinker. Nobody was going to not notice that I wasn't doing it. And then I had my private support of my coach. So my husband drank beer. I was jealous when he sort of got buzzed. I was, and I was annoyed that he quote unquote got to drink, but I started feeling so much better that that overrode it. I mean, I remember asking my husband when I hit 30 days, what do you notice is different? I was a little scared that he'd say, our life- boring now. Boring. (laughs) That was my biggest fear. And what he said was, our life is a lot more peaceful. You're much more even, you know, because I used to come home just justifying why I needed to drink, resentful, my boss, the kids, the schedule. And I would come home and he'd be like, how was your day? And I'd be like, it was fine. And was he was good. like, what do you mean it's fine? I was like, I had a coffee. I went to a couple of meetings, worked out that, you know, like he was just like, I don't understand this You're like, lack where's of Hurricane drama. Casey? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I was, uh, I used to avoid his eyes in the morning. You know, he would be like, how are you feeling? And I'd be like, what a jerk asking me that. Right. Like it's loaded. Uh, yeah. And I would just wake up and think about coffee and take a shot, like just go about my day without this like ball and chain tied to my ankle. And he never knew for a long time how worried I was about my drinking. I didn't even tell him I got a coach for like six months. He had no idea I was doing hip sobriety school, which might be how I got away with drinking so much that he clearly was unobservant. And we, we, (laughs) we both worked. Um, He was a baseball coach still is. So he was out evenings and weekends a lot, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he wasn't keeping like too watchful of an eye on it. No way. Which is why I needed all this external accountability from people who understood that me hitting two weeks alcohol free was the longest I'd gone in two years and was huge. And I deserved a parade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you advise your clients to let the people in their life know that they're doing this? Yes, 100%. 
Um, the especially over the holidays, we were talking about this. Your chance of not drinking, following through with your intention, skyrockets if you tell one person. Way better if you tell lots of people. So I advise, you know, you're getting together with your family or your girlfriends and just being like, hey, can't wait to see you. It's going to be so much fun. We've got, you know, we've got this food, that food, or I'm looking forward to X, Y, and Z. By the way, I'm not drinking right now, doing a health kick, but don't worry about me. I'll be bringing my own beverages. Easy. Yeah. Just don't tell that one person who's like kind of a little scamp and is always like, ooh, I'm going to make you do the Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Like if you don't tell that person, they don't notice. But if yes. you do tell them, that's all they notice. Yes, that's all they notice. There's one in every family. Too. Oh my god, I was that person. I was. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "What do um, you mean you're not drinking? Come on, it's a special occasion. Why are you being lame?" Yeah, I feel so bad now. That's okay. You're you're doing great, and you're helping so many people. I, I had a final question, just because we, I mean, th- where this is talking about relationships with our bodies and health and stuff. But we talk a lot about food on this podcast. Did drinking or not drinking ever impact your relationship with eating or food? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I was, I think we all went through the like restriction period and obsessing and trying to lose weight, or at least I know I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And thank God I am not there anymore. But I used to, you know, log all my food and it would be like egg white omelet, salad, Mm -hmm. asparagus and salmon, six glasses of wine. And I could not figure (laughs) out like one, I got really drunk. Clearly I was not eating enough food, but I was like, well, I'm still in my calorie count because I was eating nothing. Also, when you stop drinking, you, I used to never eat anything with sugar. I somehow took it as a point of pride being like, Oh, I take my calories in wine. I don't have a sweet tooth. Well, of course not, because I was getting all this sugar in a lot of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And also, it spikes your dopamine. You know, I've I've heard this. Yeah. Did you crave sugar when you stopped? Well, I've heard this from many people who've in my life who've uh, become sober is that in the first like six months of them stopping drinking, they're just buying pints of ice cream and they never (laughs) realized before how much sugar was actually in the alcohol. Yeah. But it's so funny for you to be like, I don't have a sweet tooth, but you're just consuming all the sugar and wine. And so many people do that. I also found that when you stop drinking, you know, I highly, I, I don't recommend diets ever. And I know you guys are are totally on the same page, but especially yeah. in early sobriety, a mistake I made was I would like be like, well, if I'm not drinking my favorite thing, I will do everything else. I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm going to eat healthy, you know, all that stuff, healthy, mm-hmm. very black um, and white. And I would get three weeks and I would break. Of course I was. And I couldn't tell whether I was in the worst mood ever because I wasn't drinking or because I was starving or, you know, whatever it was. So in early sobriety, I highly recommend like eat the comfort food. Hunger is a mm-hmm. huge trigger. Stay full. Um, don't worry about any kind of – a lot of people stop drinking because they don't like the way they look, which is fair. Mm-hmm. It's horrible for your body, your skin, your bloating. You will look better just by not drinking. I, pr- I recommend women if they, if they want to because um, forget about the scale. Take a selfie every week. You'll be amazed at how your eyes change and your face. And so, you know, I'm talking to some women I'm coaching and they were like, I haven't had Brie in five years. Do you know how good Brie is? And I'm like, yes, I do. And you should As a matter eat of it. fact. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Because they're just like, well, I'm drinking so much and I'm, you know, don't like the way I look. So I'm not eating. And it's just this vicious combination. Yeah. Yeah, That was something my dad said to me too, is he was like, your eyes are so much brighter since you've stopped smoking. Isn't that amazing? No, it's, it's totally a real thing. And I, I definitely noticed that too. Like your skin is definitely more dull when you're regularly drinking. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not, it's like, Oh my gosh, look at this luminous angel. And maybe it's just in comparison. People will be like, what are you doing? I'm like, actually I stopped drinking. They're like, what am I not doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I love that tip and I love that you said that because I do think people 
sometimes try to adopt that all or nothing mentality. If I'm not drinking, then I need to be drinking green juice in the morning and I need to be doing yoga and I need to, you know, be this picture of health. And I'm not sure why that exists because I've fallen because into of the that self-improvement too. montage. Yes. Literally on every movie, it's like you're L Woods, but with health. Yeah. No, like, yeah, better that's watch so me true. shine. That's so yeah. true. Like I need an elliptical in my living room and mm-hmm. I need to be getting a law degree at the same time or else quitting drinking isn't worth it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's that montage in the movie of the transformation. Yeah. yeah, that's that's so funny. But it's so true. If you want to vastly improve your health, there are a few ways to to do that better than to just cut out alcohol. It really yeah. is true. And then just see, see how you feel, do a hundred days like you did and see what people say to you and how your eyes look and your sleep and your anxiety and yeah, how much confidence you have. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm very inspired. I know that Same. some of our listeners are going to be very inspired. Well, I'm inspired by you guys. You're doing it already. That's amazing. Aww, thank you. Thank you. Casey, can you remind everybody where they can follow you and where they can take your courses? Yeah, absolutely. The best place to find me is hellosomedaycoaching.com. And my podcast is the Hello Someday podcast. And um, tons of tips and tricks and experts and authors and just great conversations about alcohol-free life. Instagram handle? Casey M. Davidson. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much again. This has been awesome. You guys, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to send your questions to DST at Betches.com to get them answered and follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. If you like this episode, please write us a review and don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com. Rate, review and subscribe. And of course, follow me at Lubination. Follow me at Remy Casimir and follow Casey. And remember, we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Aliza Zinn. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Aliza Zinn. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.